Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So tomorrow is July 4th, and a year ago tomorrow, July 4th, 2020, I believe it was, we did something. Do you remember what we did? We came back. We returned. We did Teshuva, right? We came back where? Right where you're sitting. Yeah, it's been a year. Uh, So before that, of course, we had a few long months of having services only on Zoom, which was also kind of fun in in its way. But I remember the joy and the feeling of seeing actual faces even though there were masks on them, there was, I, I trusted there were faces underneath those masks. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. And uh, it was an appropriate date, right? Because July 4th, we celebrate our freedom. And here we were a year ago, celebrating our freedom uh, to congregate together, our independence. And uh, it was beautiful. At that time, you know, not everyone came back, right? Some people were uh, were not comfortable coming or, uh, you know, uh, had other reasons. And uh, so many joined us on Zoom and they still are. So hello, welcome uh, Zoom, Zoom folks. And uh, some uh, congregations and congregational leaders were asking the, the question, how do we get people to come back to the building? We're all back, how do we get them to come back? But I kind of had a different question. My question was, how do we reach the people, right? How do we reach the people that aren't coming back to the building? How do we reach the people that are coming back to the building? How do we reach people that are scared, who don't want to wear masks, who are feeling isolated? Um, So July 4th last year, we celebrated our freedom, but there was a kind of tinge to it, I would say. Some of us didn't feel completely free and independent. You know, there was, a, there was also, along with that, kind of a feeling of being stuck. Two weeks ago, when uh, Rabbi Mateus was being zoomed in to share the sermon with us from Brazil, our projector wasn't working. Uh, so the three of us elders, uh, David Haller, Eric Friedman, and myself, we uh, prayerfully processed what we would do uh, the week before. Uh, so uh, I propose that we could all of us perhaps meet on Zoom like we were doing a year ago, you know, and that way we'd be sure that uh, we could um, share the message with, um, with the congregation from, from Brazil. But Eric passionately spoke up and he said he really wanted and needed to be with his brothers and sisters, that we should not just have a Zoom meeting um, but uh, we should come together and then try to finagle something with the with the projector, which you notice my my wife and and others did, <laughs> uh, and it and it worked. Baruch Hashem. And my sense that uh, when Eric brought this up 
was not was that he was not just speaking for himself. In other words, that uh, he was speaking on behalf of uh, this community that others would be blessed by coming together in person. And so we agreed with Eric. Uh, and after the service on Shabbat, we knew we had made the right decision. I don't know if you remember that two weeks ago, but it was just a, a strong sense of confirmation that, that God had by his presence that morning. It was a beautiful thing. So uh, thank you, Eric, and Baruch Hashem. You know, some folks only join us on Zoom, like right now. And some folks, you know, just listen to the podcast. And if that's you, I want to say, let me look at the camera. I want to say, thank you. Welcome. Yes, thank you. I know it can feel hard to, it can be hard to feel connected through technology. And we, we so appreciate you being here with us in, in the way that you are. That's why we kept the stream team going, even after we came back to the building. Uh, those folks uh, back there every week enable us to reach beyond the four walls of our synagogue building, which is kind of the point, right? And I believe it's God's will that we do just that. At the same time, we are thankful for the freedom that we have to come together in the midst of a difficult year. In, in a challenging season that we have the independence to do so, which is fitting for July 4th, right? Sometimes in the context of encouraging folks to wear masks in the, in the past, I mentioned how blessed we are to be able to come together, whether in person or online. Uh, I've mentioned how some communities of Yeshua faith right now in our world do not have the freedom to come together. And I've mentioned how some Jewish communities in the past have not had the freedom to come together either. And all this got me thinking. And I know I usually preach on the Torah portion or the Haftarah portion, but today it got me thinking. I know what it means to have freedom as an American, America, right? But what does it mean from a Messianic Jewish perspective? What does freedom mean? And in what ways are we free or independent in Messiah? My wife and I were uh, watching a comedian that we enjoy, and uh, here, this is an observation that he made. People only say it's a free country when they're trying to get away with something. Hey, that's my seat. It's a free country. People should mention it's a free country when they're trying to do something nice, too. Hold the door for a person. Well, thank you, sir. It's a free country. Yes, it is. And you are a patriot. End of bit. I think this comedian might be onto something, though, right? We tend to think about freedom as, as things we can get away with. What should I be allowed to do, let's say? But maybe there's another way to think about it. Yesterday, the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations, the UMJC, one of our umbrella organizations, shared a Facebook post that said this in honor of the national holiday, which I felt would be a good uh, jumping off point. Uh, let's read it together. Brothers and sisters, you were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole Torah can be summed up in a single saying, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Galatians 5. And then it says, happy July 4th from the Union. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, this quote from Galatians by the Apostle Paul, also known as uh, Rav Shaul, implies that there is more to freedom than just doing whatever you want, right? It's not just, it's good to be the king, right? That's not what it is. Within Judaism, our national freedom is celebrated on another holiday, which would be what? Passover, that's right, the marking of the Exodus. The American Jewish people have connected, uh, I read some articles where they connected uh, July 4th with Passover um, because of the theme of, of national freedom. This is an article in the New Yorker by Alan Burdick arguing for a 4th of July Seder. So this is what he says, quote, the 4th of July celebrates our national identity, a subject that ever since the country was founded has been neither easy nor demanding, undemanding. This is the birthday of your political freedom, Frederick Douglass, the great orator and former enslaved person, told the woman of the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Sewing Society on July 5th, 1852. This to you is what the Passover was to the emancipated people of God. It carries your minds back to the great, to the act of your great deliverance and to the signs and to the wonders associated with the act that day. Independence Day should be restful, yes, but it also could be more powerful, purposeful. What the 4th of July needs, we think, is a Seder, unquote. So that's, you know, that's his, his opinion, but he's, he's got a point there. National freedom and personal freedom are mentioned also in the rabbinic writings, and sometimes it's connected to Passover. This is from uh, the Talmud, Mishnah Pesach, in chapter 10, it says this, and it's talking about the reciting of the Hallel prayers uh, during Passover, but it, it makes an interesting connection. So too, the Lord our God and God of our forefathers will bring us to future holidays and festivals in peace, happy over the building of your city and joyous in your service. And there we will eat from the Paschal lamb, the Passover lamb, and other offerings, etc., until blessed are you, Lord, who redeemed Israel. In other words, this Mishnah implies that the freedom we experience in Passover has other applications to other future holidays, uh, and that we will experience uh, the same kind of freedom at that time. When Paul speaks of freedom in Messiah, this is where he starts. He starts with the national uh, freedom uh, that's, that's kind of like Passover. In other words, Messiah has set us free from bondage. And at this time, it's not uh, uh, actual slavery in Egypt, but it's the slavery of sin. This is what he writes in Galatians 5, verse 1. Let's read this together. It's kind of an interesting verse, too, because he has the word freedom or free twice right at the beginning. So let's read together. For freedom, Messiah has set us free. So stand firm and do not be burdened by a yoke of slavery again. Let's read that again. For freedom, Messiah set us free. So stand firm and do not be burdened by a yoke of slavery again. So freedom from a Messianic Jewish perspective isn't just national freedom from bondage, um, whether it's you know, the bondage of slavery in Egypt or the slavery of sin. Um, but it's, it's, there's something more to it, right? There's a, a greater freedom that we experience in Messiah. 
I'd like to share a few ideas from uh, theologian Robert Banks uh, from his book, Paul's Idea of Community. Uh, Banks is a senior research and development fellow in the Center for the History of Christian Thought and Experience uh, at the Marquerie University in Sydney, Australia. Um, so this is what he says. <clears throat> so Paul describes uh, the bondage that all of us are in as humans. Um, number one, he says it is the inner compulsion to sin. If you're familiar with the writings of Paul, this should be, this should be familiar to you. Uh, confidence in the works and the flesh. So we have this kind of sin nature that's a part of things we do. And Paul says, you know, the things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do those things. Uh, who will save me from this, you know, wretched man that I am, thanks be to God, through Yeshua the Messiah. So um, it, it means that we are primarily concerned with ourselves, with our own affairs. Um, it's just kind of, uh, you know, ever since we ate the fruit in Genesis 3, it's kind of the, the way that we are uh, or tend to be. And we also, he says, regard our heritage as grounds for future expectations. In other words, we, we put confidence in our accomplishments or things that we have done as saying that we'll have a good future outcome because of those. Um, another bondage that is described by Paul in the New Covenant writings is that we are hampered from morality. So especially in the book of Romans, he describes that we're all kind of guilty of this. And for Jewish people, he says that we are hampered from responding correctly to the moral rules of the Torah. In other words, God gave us the Torah, but we're, um, we're hampered in some way from actually following it and having it written on our hearts. And for the nations, he says that they are hampered from responding correctly to the moral rules inscribed in, consci in consciences. In other words, there's a, there's a moral law that God has inscribed on, in the world and that all nations are, are accountable to that. And that's why we're all accountable to, um, to the Lord for our actions. Does that make sense? He describes this in the book of Romans. And then uh, we tend to rebel against the revealed or implanted Torah of God, either whether Jew or Gentile, we, we rebel against that. We don't want to do that, which leads to an amoral life because his law is, is morality. And uh, even if we are determined to observe God's Torah, God's law, uh, we, we pervert that and use it for as a channel for our self-centered desires, right? It's a kind of like some of the Pharisees were doing this, you know, saying, oh, I give to the poor and I fast twice a week. Oh, look at me, right? So that's, you know, following Torah, but it's to, to build yourself up. And then a third kind of bondage that uh, Paul describes is uh, slavery to realities outside of ourselves, so this is something I call the other team, um, alien forces, or you know the 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 accuser, the Satan, and and that that sort of thing, um, and of course uh, the last enemy, which is death. We are all um, slaves to that, um, or at least uh, um, humanity is um, at some point. And then this is how Banks puts it: human beings are not as free as they would like to think but voluntarily find themselves bound to baser inclinations, moral obligations, and alien forces, unquote. He then goes on to show us, oh, that's not the end of the story, right? Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so we have freedom 
in in Yeshua that brings uh, that uh, brings us freedom from these areas of bondage. So this is what he describes uh, as our freedom in Yeshua, as uh, the what Paul also says in his writings. So number one, Yeshua suffered the full impact of sin, though it had no control over him, and then thus it was defeated by him. So in other words, he knew no sin, but he absorbed the 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 just punishment of that. Um, so that uh, we would not be enslaved to sin. So this is what's described in the New Covenant writings. He experienced the condemnation of Torah um, and, and his behavior fulfilled the Torah, right? So it was a kind of this unique place that he had, um, even though he perfectly fulfilled and followed God's law, he also experienced the condemnation as if he didn't. So it's a kind of this unique um, position that Yeshua has. Death made a claim on him, right? He, he did die, uh, but he triumphed over it as well as the alien power. So the forces of evil in this world were conquered um, by the death and resurrection of Yeshua, as well as the enemy of death itself. And then uh, the scripture says that he founded a new humanity. In other words, that he empowered us to, to be free uh, from those other things that I described in the earlier slide, right? Free from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of death and, uh, and those things so that we can be not just as individuals, but as a community, as a new humanity. In other words, the freedom of salvation means entering into a new community. It's not a solitary transaction um, to Paul. And it enables us to share a life also with Messiah. So in, in some ways, his life enters us and, and we and our life enters his life. So we, we partake with him. That's the idea of, of communion that we're going to do in a few minutes. Encouraging us in our freedom in Messiah, Paul reminds us of this in Romans 8, starting in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again into fear. Rather, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Ruach himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. So freedom doesn't mean that we will never suffer, but rather we'll be able to go through difficult times with the Messiah, because remember, he partakes with us and we partake with him. But it's, it's a freedom from fear, right? We're not afraid. Why? Because we're able to trust him, because we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fear. We received the spirit of adoption, right? We're his kids. And here, the word spirit is important and it's, and it's capitalized in this English translation because um, Paul is most likely talking about the spirit, right? The ruach, the promised um, comforter that uh, commends us and seals us. So our freedom is described by Paul as not just from the bondage uh, and, and from sin and death, but our freedom for something else, toward something else right? Paradoxically, sometimes this freedom is described as responsibility, right? We don't just do what we want, but we have freedom to serve God. It's kind of funny. 
In other words, we're now servants, some, some translations say slaves, to righteousness. And this is how Paul explains it in Romans 6, starting in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, under Torah, but under grace? May it never be. And here I believe he means the uh, legalism of Torah. Do you not know that to whatever you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to whatever you obey, whether to sin resulting in death or to obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed this form of teaching under which you were placed. And after you were set free from sin, you became enslaved, quote unquote, to righteousness. You see what he does there? It's a kind of, it's, it's a unique kind of freedom that we have, right? It's a freedom to be uh, obedient. <laughs> um, and in Galatians 6.2, there's this little gem. This was the first New Covenant verse that I ever read um, that um, one of my friends uh, led me to. And it says this, bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the Torah of Messiah. Let's read that together. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the Torah of Messiah. The phrase Torah of Messiah, sometimes translated as law of Messiah or, or law of Christ in other Bibles, is unique here. Um, but Paul is describing something important. First, we should, according to Paul, uphold the Torah, the law, right? Second, it's not only that there is a Torah of Moses, which we know about, but there is in some way a Torah of Messiah, right? Which is built on the Torah of Moses. It flows from that. And third, to follow this law of Messiah, this Torah of Messiah, means to follow the character of Yeshua. How do we do that? We bear one another's burdens. We care for others in love and humility. So it turns out our freedom is not being able to do whatever you want, right? But it is freedom toward following the moral code of Torah, to love God and to love others. It is also a freedom to relate correctly to others so that we're no longer uh, slaves to fear or you know, the fear of man, let's say. Here's Rav Shaul again in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win over more of them. It's kind of an interesting thing, right? It's a little bit paradoxical. But I believe he means he's free from the judgment of others, so he uses that freedom to serve others rather than consider himself totally independent, right? We're not, you know, free-floating islands out here. We're a community. It's kind of a paradox, but it makes sense. Freedom from a Messianic Jewish point of view means freedom from bondage in Messiah, and freedom toward healthy relationships with God and with others. I'd like to close with uh, some wisdom from the Talmud on what, uh, what we are exactly free to do. This is from Mishnah Peah, um, chapter one. <clears throat> this is freedom according to the rabbinic wisdom. These are the things that have no definite quantity. In other words, there's no measure of them, set measure of them. The corners of the field, that's what is left for the orphan and the widow and the poor. 
First fruits, the offerings brought on appearing at the temple on the three pilgrimage festivals, the performance of righteous deeds, and the study of the Torah. We are free to do all of these as much as we want. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, right? The following are the things for which a man enjoys the fruits of this in this world, while the principle remains for him in the world to come. Honoring one's father and mother, the performance of righteous deeds, and the making of peace between a person and his friend, and the study of the Torah is equal to them all. Happy July 4th. <laughs> Or I should say, Erev, July 4th, right? All right. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for the freedom we have in Messiah. And I just pray as, uh, as we're eating our uh, kosher hot dogs uh, this weekend that we think about the freedom, not only that we have in this country, the political freedom, uh, and the freedom that we have to the blessing it is to come together and worship, but the freedom we have in Mashiach that empowers us to actually follow you. And that we acknowledge that because of the death of Yeshua on the tree, that he set us free, that he conquered those alien forces and he conquered death, uh, even though he did nothing wrong, so that we could have, we could move toward uh, sanctification, so that we could live holy lives where the, the, the Torah is written on our hearts, and uh, we can actually follow you. Whether Jew or Gentile, you have written uh, your moral code on our hearts for us to do, and uh, we are all without excuse. And so we ask for your help to follow you and to bear one another's burdens to, to truly be a community of Messiah followers um, here where you've planted us. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.